0: How many of you know that Christ, the light of the world, lives inside your heart, and he has made you the light of the world, amen? Today we're going to be talking about the second coming, the second advent of Christ. You see, advent really isn't over yet, not until he comes again. Christmas is coming and gone, but we're not finished with advent yet here at CLF. Because the Advent celebration has as much to do with the second coming of Christ as it does His first coming. You know, Advent, the first, the the Advent celebration really symbolizes the current situation that we as a church are going through in these last days. There are a lot of parallels between what the people of Israel went through waiting for the first Advent and what we're going through as the church waiting for His second Advent. And just as the people of Israel longed for their Messiah to come to their rescue 2,000 years ago, we in the church eagerly, with bated breath, I don't know about you, the older I get, the more I long to see him show up. I see that this world desperately needs rescue today. We wait for the return of Christ today to come in his glory to rescue us. And just like Israel, just like Israel, we're waiting and we're hoping And we're prayerfully expecting the Messiah to come soon, to come at any time, to establish his eternal kingdom. Not just in our hearts, but to establish his kingdom upon the earth for all time. The second advent, the second coming of Christ, is one of the most fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. We don't talk a lot about it for some reason. I don't know how it was when you were growing up, but when I was growing up, there was constant conversation about the return of Christ Jesus. One of my earliest memories, I've shared this with you before, I think, but I'll share it with you again, those of you that haven't heard. When I was, my earliest memory, really, was as a three or four-year-old boy. My dad was pastoring a church uh, in Southeast Alabama, a little country church. And uh, I remember waking up one Sunday night from a nap, because that's what three- and four-year-old kids would do on a Sunday night during the service. Can I get an amen for some of those preacher kids sitting over there? Um, you would go to sleep with your head in one of those sweet women's laps. You didn't even, it didn't really matter who it was. Their laps were soft. They let you lay your head in their lap, and you go to sleep, right? And so I woke up this Sunday night, everybody gone, just me. Lying on that back pew, lights of the church were still on, not a person, not a soul in the room. As a three-year-old kid, my first thought was what? Jesus has come back, and I've been left behind. I mean, that, we, we grew up with that kind of expectation and anticipation, and I'm afraid we have let that lapse a little bit. And part of the reason why I wanted us to go through the Advent celebration is to remind you that just as he came the first time, oh, he's coming again. He's coming again. And we need to be ready. And we need to be busy doing the work of the Lord as we eagerly expect his return. And this second Advent of Jesus is one of the most fundamental doctrines Of our faith. It really stands at the very heart of what we as Christians believe as followers of Christ. Let me just point these statistics out to you a little bit just to kind of whet your appetite and maybe launch you on your own study of the return of Christ. The Bible repeatedly promises us that Christ is coming a second time. There are 1,845 references to it in the Old Testament, 1,845 times. The second coming of Christ is referred to in the Old Testament, and 17 of those Old Testament books give it a prominent place when they talk about it. Of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming. That's one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament tells us Christ is coming again. 23 of the 27 New Testament books feature, feature, the return of Christ. And for every prophecy on the first advent of Christ Jesus, there are eight verses in the Bible about a second coming. The Bible wants us to know, just as he came the first time as God promised, he will come the second time as God promised. We're going to look at just three verses here this morning as we focus on this fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith on this Advent celebration, the return of Christ. We're going to read Acts 1 through 11, but we're going to focus on only verses 9 through 11. But I want you to get the context in which Jesus is speaking to his disciples, speaking to us. So if you will, turn with me to to, uh, Acts chapter 1. The verses will, of course, be on the overhead above my head here. Acts 1... 9 through 11 bring us face to face with the promise of Christ's return. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So you got to get this in mind. These are the last things, the last set of instructions. These are the marching orders Christ is giving to his disciples just before he leaves them to go back to the Father. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence that's in this room. We thank you, Lord, that you're here to bring this word to life in us. And I pray that that's exactly what happens this morning. As we talk about your, your return, as we Think about what the Bible has said about you coming again. I pray, Father, that you would bring new life to our hearts, a new passion to our lives, God, a new desire to live in the constant expectation that today could be the day. Today could be the day when we see Jesus. Oh, Lord, I pray that your people would begin to live as the people in the early days, Church lived with one eye looking toward the sky, waiting for it to split wide open and Jesus to come back while they worked and served and brought glory to your name here on earth. Help us, Lord, to live with that same attitude, that same expectation. Birth it in our hearts today. Help us to make sure that we're ready should today be the day you come again. We love you, Jesus. What a glorious day it is. Thank you for this season. Thank you for its promise. We give you the glory and the praise. Be glorified here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I really want to answer one question. One question. What will this second advent of Christ be like? What will this second coming of Christ be like? And I I don't want to give you my personal views about Bible prophecy I don't really want to stand here and explain um, how I see the signs of the times playing out. To me, that's not really the important thing here. What's important here is that we, I want you to know what I mean and what we mean when we talk about Christ coming again. What does that mean? What do we really believe about that? What's it going to look like? And I believe these three little verses that we're going to focus on today give us an idea what that second coming is going to be like. The first thing I want you to understand about it is this. We believe that Christ's coming will be personal. We believe his coming will be personal. Acts 1.11 says this so clearly. It says this same Jesus, say that with me, this same Jesus. Not another Jesus, not a ghostly Jesus, not a spiritual Jesus. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way. Say that with me. In the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I pointed out to you that Luke uses the word same twice in this one verse, and it's a clue. It's a clue. It's a clue that tells us something crucial about this second coming. The same Jesus who left will one day return, and he will return the same way he left. Pretty clear, right? One of the main rules, write write this down if you don't know this already. One of the main rules for Bible interpretation is to take the plain meaning of the text at face value. You know how we're really bad about trying to spiritualize stuff. Mm-mm, that's not that, that's not one of the rules of bible interpretation. Let's see how weird we can get this passage of scripture to sound. No. You take the plain meaning of the text at face value. Now, we know what metaphors and similes are. There's no metaphor or simile in this verse. It says this same Jesus is coming back in the same way. That's pretty straightforward English, is it not? You can't reinterpret or misinterpret that. It says what it means and it means what it says. If plain English has any meaning at all, verse 11 teaches us that Jesus is coming back personally. He's coming back literally. He's coming back visibly, and He's coming back physically. And you could probably add to it, if you will, from verse 9, that He's coming back suddenly and unexpectedly. I mean, He was caught up from them. They had no warning. All of a sudden, he's talking to them, and boom, there he goes. Suddenly and unexpectedly can be put in this too. I don't know about you guys. This is an amazing thought to me. This is an amazing thought to me. Christ Jesus is personally, literally, visibly, physically coming back again. Coming back again. The same Jesus The same Jesus who was born as a baby in Bethlehem, he's coming back again. The same Jesus who grew up in Nazareth, he's coming back again. The same Jesus who turned water into wine is coming back again. The same Jesus who walked on water is coming back again. The same Jesus who healed those 10 lepers we talked about at Thanksgiving, he's coming back again. The same Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead, He's coming back again. The same Jesus who died on the cross and suffered for us to pay the penalty for our sins, that same Jesus is coming back again. You're going to see the holes in His hands, the nail scars in His feet. He'll be able to show you where the spear went into His side. The same Jesus who was raised again to new life on the third day, who validates our right standing with God, He's coming back again. The same Jesus, not a spiritual Jesus, not a Jesus. Jesus is coming back again. You'll be able to touch him. You'll be able to eat with him. You'll be able to talk to him. You'll recognize him when you see him face to face. Jesus is coming back again. That blows my mind. So when we say that Jesus is coming back again, that's what we mean. That the actual historical Jesus Christ who lived 2,000 years ago, he's coming back again. Personally, literally, visibly, physically coming back again. Jesus himself makes this promise in John chapter 14 where he says, I will come back. I will come back. I like the rest of the verse. That's why I put it up there. And take you, and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Man, I don't know about you. I can't wait to see my Jesus face to face. I can't wait to see those scars where he suffered for me. I can't wait. I can't wait to see his smile. I don't know what I'm going to do when I see him. I doubt I'm going to go up and say, hey, homeboy, what's up? (laughs) I've got a feeling I'm going to fall flat on my face and give him the glory he deserves when I see him again. He's coming back, and it will be personal. It blows my mind to think that one day I'll see Jesus face to face just as the disciples did 2,000 years ago. I mean, many people find it impossible to believe. understand that. A lot of people find it impossible to believe. I know Christians who don't believe in the physical, literal return of of Christ Jesus, and they're mistaken. They're mistaken. There's no event, probably, that seems less likely to happen from our perspective, but there's no event that's more certain in the light of the Bible and what the Bible says. You hear that? There's no event that we may think is less likely to happen. But if you believe the Bible, it's a dead certainty it's going to happen. He's coming again. He's coming again, personally. Second thing I want you to know about his coming is that it will be glorious when he comes. It will be glorious. I'm falling in love with the word glorious, glory. Glorified. I pray every day that Christ will be glorified in me. I pray every day that he will be glorified in you. I pray every day that he will be glorified in this church. I want Jesus to be glorified. And when he comes again, it will be glorious. And he will be glorified. Verse 9 says, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Let's not, let's be clear. That was no ordinary cloud. Okay? It wasn't a puffy little soft cirrus cloud. This cloud represented the glory of God. Jesus was ascended into heaven and he was covered by a cloud of God's glory. The cloud, understand, represents. The glory of God, it's the same cloud of God's glory that led the Israelites in the wilderness back in the book of Exodus. Luke 21, 27 says that when Jesus comes back, he will come back in a cloud. Not a fuzzy little serious cloud, plain his little heart, sweet little Jesus. No, the glory of God will be surrounding him. He will come back in power and great Glory. Just as he went up, so he will return. And and maybe the best way to explain what I'm trying to get across here today is is to compare the first advent with the second advent. Maybe the best way to understand what I'm trying to say when I mean his coming will be glorious is to compare how it was the first time and how it will be the second time. In the first advent, Jesus came to the world unnoticed. Nobody knew there was a little peasant boy being born in a manger in Bethlehem, except for the the shepherds and and eventually the wise man. But in the second, in the second advent, Revelation 1.7 says, look, he is coming with the clouds. There it is again, coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. First time unnoticed. Second time, you won't be able to take your eyes off of him. In the first advent, Jesus humbled himself, gave up the glory of heaven to come to earth to be born as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. Well, in the second advent, he won't come as a baby, he comes as a king. He returns to this earth as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Philippians two ten through 11 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Say that with me. Every knee. I guess that means we all have a choice. We either bow our knees now and declare him the Lord of our lives or we will one day bow our knees. That's the choice we all have. Now or later. Now or later. And every tongue will confess. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a day coming. If you're not willing to acknowledge him now as Lord, the day is coming when you will. Not because he will force you to. Because you'll have to when you see him as he is. His glory his majesty, his power, his authority. You will have no choice but to bow your knee at his throne and declare him to be the king that he says he is. In the first advent, Christ suffered the cross to provide salvation for the world. He came as a sacrificial lamb. But in this second advent, Christ Jesus comes to rule and reign over the earth. He comes As a judge. Psalm 96.13 says, Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. He came the first time to, to suffer. He comes again to reign and to rule and to judge the nations. In the first advent, Christ came as the Lamb of God. In the second, he comes as the Lion of Judah. Nothing meek and mild about this second coming. Nothing at all meek and mild about it. He's coming in power and glory. Revelation 5.5 5 says, do not weep. See the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Triumphed. Sorrow turns to Joy. triumph. So when we speak of Christ's first advent, we think of humility. And that seems to be the focus of the world. They talk about a Jesus, little baby, meek and mild, lying in a, you know, I get that. I get that. But you can't leave him lying in that manger. If that's what your thoughts, if that's where your thoughts of Jesus leave him lying as a meek, mild, weak, helpless baby in a manger, you're sadly mistaken. He grows up to be a king. He grows up to be the Lord of Lords. When we speak of Christ's first advent, we think of humility. But when we think of his second advent, we think of glory. Glory. His second coming will be glorious. It will be glorious. It will be victorious. His second coming will be triumphant. His second coming will be marvelous. When he comes again, he comes in great power and great glory and everyone in heaven and everyone upon the earth will acknowledge that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When he comes again, it will be personal, it will be glorious, and his coming is imminent. Now, don't be mistaken. Imminent does not mean soon. It means at any moment. There's a difference. I'm not setting times, and no one should. If someone comes to you saying, Jesus is going to show up, yada, 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 look at him, thank him for the warning, but you live as if Jesus could come right now, not then. Because it's at any moment, not necessarily soon. You can't read. Listen, I, I hope that you as we went through the story this year, that as you got to the New Testament, it quickly became apparent to you that the early church lived with the constant expectation that today could be the day. They lived with the idea and the attitude that the return of Christ was imminent at any moment. I think if they lived that way 2,000 years ago, we should certainly live like that today. Even more so. Because we're only 2,000 years closer to the moment when he could return. Does that make sense? They lived with the constant expectation that at any moment, Christ could arrive on the scene to rescue them, to set up his eternal kingdom. Let me just read a, a few verses. You, 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 you can read any part of the New Testament you want, and this is what quickly becomes apparent. But I just wanted to read four verses that I kind of just threw, uh, picked out. Again and again, the New Testament tells us to watch and to be ready for Christ's return. Matthew twenty four forty two says, and this is Jesus speaking, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Hebrews 10, 36 through 37 says, you need to persevere. That's one of my favorite words. Walk it out. You need to keep walking it out. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while. In just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, the end of all things is near. He wrote that 2,000 years ago. You do realize we're living in the last days, right? The end of all things is is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear children, this is the last hour. Again, constant expectation. He could come at any moment. I need to be ready. I need to be watching. I need to be praying. I need to be working. I need to be serving the Lord, fulfilling his purpose for my life. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Look, I don't need to look for any particular signs to tell me Jesus is coming soon. All I got to do is look to Scripture. I'm going to say that again. Some of us are so busy waiting for signs that we forget signs isn't what we're looking for. What does the scripture have to say? And what the scripture has to say is it could be at any moment. He could return at any moment. And we need to live our lives watching for it, praying for it, and ready for it. I know some of you out there, man, I've been, you know, I've lived with this now for 50 how old am I? 58 years. I told you what it was like when I was three years old. Nothing's changed, and I'm so grateful my parents instilled this in me. Even when I wasn't living for the Lord, I still, in the back of my mind, knew Jesus could show up today. Come on. 58 years later, I'm more convinced than ever that Christ is coming back, and it could be at any moment. I know some of you out there are saying it's been 2,000 years and aren't you tired of waiting? Maybe God has changed his mind. Maybe he's forgotten about us. And I want to remind you, if that's going through your mind right now, that God doesn't count time like we do. He's got a different way of calculating time. From God's perspective, if he counts one day as a thousand years, and that's what it says in 2 Peter, then Jesus has really only been gone about two days in God's reckoning, and that ain't long at all, is it? Rest assured, listen, CLF, listen to me. Rest assured, God is faithful to all his promises, and he has promised this again and again again. And again and again, Jesus is coming back. Christ promised to return, and he will. He never forgets his promises. He always keeps his word. We may not know when, because that's up to the Father. And we may not understand all the details. And there are lots of disagreements about how exactly it's all going to play out. Is there a rapture before the tribulation, mid tribulation, after the tribulation? Is there a rapture at all? And those are cool late night conversations to have. But I would remind you, most of the prognosticators got it wrong 2,000 years ago at the first advent. And I imagine most of us are going to screw it up at the second, too. I'm just saying, don't look for signs. Read the Scripture. He's coming again. It'll play out like it plays out. It's so easy to look back and see how God brought all these things together the first time Jesus came. We're in a little bit different scenario. We're looking ahead, trying to figure out details that haven't happened yet. I would tell you, pull back, rest, relax. Stop worrying about times and dates. Start focusing on today. What can I do today to serve the Lord? To glorify the Lord in my life? To glorify the Lord in my relationships? To glorify the Lord on my job? Today is what matters. And who knows, today could be the day. Today could be the day. We may not know when, we may not understand all the details, but there's one thing we do know for sure, He's coming again and it could be at any time, and we need to live as if it could be today. Which brings me to one final thought, one final thought. If Jesus did come back today, would you be ready? That's the big question, right? If Jesus came back today, would you be ready? would you be ready? And if, you answer to your, if your answer is, well, I hope so, or I'm not sure, then I would tell you you're probably not ready at all. I think a good barometer, i gonna step out on a limb here and say this, and some of y'all are going to be mad at me, but a good barometer of your walk with the Lord and your understanding of the word of God and your relationship with the Lord can be measured by the way you think and feel about his second coming. Does that make sense? If it doesn't matter to you, you're apathetic and indifferent toward it, I would say that your walk with the Lord isn't where it should be. When Lorna and I, and I love her dearly, are separated for long periods of time, all I want to do is to see her again. Throw my arms around her, hold her tight, tell her I love her. Do you feel that way about Jesus? Can you bear the thought of being separated from him any longer do you want to see him today that's a good barometer of the love you have for the Lord are you ready are you ready are you ready would you bow your heads and close your eyes Michael would you come back Man, we're closing out 2019. Another year is coming gone. Should the Lord tarry, another year lies ahead of us. And I don't want to see any of you transition from 2018 into 2019 without being sure that you're ready for the Lord to return that you're ready to see him face to face, that you're ready to throw your arms around him and tell him you love him. I, I can't bear the thought of thinking that you're about to step into a new year without having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready. I want you to be right with God. I want your relationship with the Lord to deepen in this new year. I want you to grow more committed in your walk with the Lord. More committed to knowing Him and being known by Him. I want 2019 to be the year of spiritual breakthrough for you. I can't bear the thought of you stepping into a new year uncertain. of your walk with the Lord, uncertain of how you stand with him. He's coming again. He's coming again. And he comes again so that he can take us to be with him forever, never separated again from his presence. Are you ready? Are you ready? You know you can be. You can be ready. You can be ready. It begins by admitting that you need a Savior, that you cannot save yourself. It begins by... Asking God for forgiveness for the life you've lived, the things you've done that have hurt him and hurt others and hurt yourself. Admit you need a Savior and believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that He paid the price for you on the cross that He paid the penalty for your sin. Believe that He rose again on the third day to prove that you had been made right with God and that the same life, the same power that raised Him from the dead is the same power that you can have in your own life so that you can walk in a new way A way of life, a way of power, a way of honor and glory. Believe in Christ Jesus and confess him as Lord. Confess him as Lord. Let him live his life through you. Confess him as Lord. Make him the ruler of your life. Obey him. not because you have to but because you get to live the rest of your life as an expression of gratitude to you for all that he's done guilt grace and gratitude guilt grace gratitude you can be ready you can step out into 2019 ready to see Jesus should he come. The altars are going to be open. And I encourage those of you that want to spend some time with the Lord to use these next few minutes of worship as an opportunity to get things right with the Lord. To admit your need for a Savior. To express your belief in Christ. To confess him as Lord. Use this as an opportunity to draw closer, to let more of the Spirit of God fill your life.